great video this morning. Are you ready for a really, really good video? Okay, let's press play. Thank you, Grant. Coming soon. Only one hero can save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're going to be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy. Dig deep. A lot of fun. And pure genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise.
You're looking good. You're sounding good. Why don't you give your neighbour a high five as you take a seat this morning? A very happy Mother's Day to you again. It's great to be together. As I mentioned earlier, if you're visiting for your first or second time, wonderful to have you with us. And let's put our hands together and welcome Stanley back. He's been away for about two and a half months. So great to have Stanley with us. He's been in India and he's finding it a little cold here, he tells me, but I guess that's not surprising. So a few highlights for you, so uh, here we go. So next uh, Sunday, the, well, Sunday the 21st, we have Shane Willard at all three gatherings. If you haven't heard Shane before, he's an outstanding, world-class Bible teacher. So I really encourage you to come along, bring friends, bring family. We're in for a wonderful time. So that's all three gatherings next Sunday. And Tear Fund Trafficking Workshop. We have a workshop for that on Wednesday the 17th of May at 7pm. And also a Tear Fund Ethical Fashion Guide launch. That's interesting. On Friday the 26th at 7pm. And you can find out more details at the Hub. I reckon the fashion parade would be pretty good, don't you think, Jan? Wow. Should come along and have a look, eh? Yeah, Janet's coming. So I encourage you to come along to that. So Jonathan, are you with us this morning? Jonathan? Okay. Jonathan's not here. That's fine. No worries with that. Well, we're going to have a special item now. So thank you, team. So let's give it up for the band. They do an awesome job. So uh, great stuff.
it amazing? Awesome stuff. Let's give them one more hand. Well done, girls. So proud of you. Fantastic. Well, who's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary over the last week? If you can join me down the front here, help yourself to a chocolate bar. Wow, Helena. Kenton, fantastic. Anniversary over here, congratulations to you guys. Great stuff. Fantastic. How many years for you guys? <laughs> congratulations, that's wonderful. Church, let's stand as we declare this prayer of blessing over these wonderful people. So here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. You may take a seat. And kids, it's your time to go out to Kids Program. Have an awesome time. So if you're five and above, it's out this way. If you're under five, it's out through here. you want to stand back to your feet. So this may be a new song for some of you, but I want you to see it as an invitation. The God who was and is to come. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He was a creator. He's a miracle worker. He's the answer to everything. So if you have a situation that's painful, you have something going on in your life that you're unsure about. You need answers. You need peace. You need hope. You need love. He's here. He is all of those things. I just want you to step into that place in your heart while you're singing. Encounter the God who is with you, Emmanuel. The God who came. the blind to see is moving here in front of me moving here in front of me the one who made the deaf to hear is silencing my every fear silencing my every fear I believe in you I believe in you, you're the God of miracles, I believe in you, I believe in you, you're the God of miracles.
somewhere, maybe even lost in the fog. But no matter where we are, there's something about the presence of God and something about getting in the presence of God that can bring perspective to our situations. Can I invite you this morning to really open yourself up before Him and we don't need to rush through this moment. The Bible tells us when two or three gather, He's amongst us. We brought Him in with us this morning. He wants to touch your world. He wants to breathe life on your situation. Hope for the hopeless. Strength for the weak.
for a moment in the silence, just stand. Simply allow Him to breathe life, love, hope. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing. Father, I lift every woman to you in this place this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest on each one in a tangible way, with a tangible sense, that this morning you would breathe life, that this morning you would breathe hope, that this morning you would fill each woman with encouragement, I pray, in Jesus' name. Father, as we celebrate this special day, that every woman in this place would know that she's loved that every woman in this place would know that she's the apple of your eye. That every woman in this place would sense this morning the divine embrace of our loving Heavenly Father. And that you would fill every woman with hope, with a sense of future, with a sense of purpose. they're your daughters Father I lift every mother to you whether they're on the mountaintops this morning or whether they're struggling Father whether they put a smile on as they got out of the car or as they got into the car no matter what's going on in their world and their families this morning I ask for your touch on mums Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd fill mums with hope, that you'd fill them with courage, that you'd fill them with a sense again of divine purpose, that you'd let them see their input, what it does, an incredible gift that mothers are to all of us. So I declare your blessing over every mother in Jesus' name. As I was preparing for today, I felt to pray, and actually Lana came in just before and prompted the same thing. I want to pray if you are wanting to be a mum, but you're having trouble or whatever conceiving. I've got a good track record going at the moment for praying for people when they get pregnant. It's great. I had a phone call from Christchurch the other day, and another one. So dangerous. If I lay hands on you and you're not wanting a child, you should mention that first. So what I, want, I don't want to, I don't want to um, ask you to come out or anything like that this morning, but what I'd like you to do, because I think an action of faith needs to go with this. If you are here and you're wanting to be a mum and maybe you're struggling, conceiving or whatever, if you came with someone this morning, just give them a little nudge beside you just to let them know that, you know, you're standing in faith for this and I'm going to pray a prayer of faith 
And then I believe that we'll hear some stories as months go on. Good? Can you stand with me in this in faith? Yeah? Yeah? Very good. Father, every expectant mother and father, Father, I lift them to you right now and I declare in the name of Jesus a creative act to take place. I declare uh, in Jesus' name pregnancies to take place, that children will be born and that you would move on them today in Jesus' name. Father, we love our medical professionals and appreciate them. But if there's any words this morning ringing in people's ears where they've been told they can't, I ask that the power of that would be broken this morning and there would come a divine, I can, we can, in their spirits, in Jesus' name. So we declare fertility in the name of Jesus, pregnancies, children in the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to the stories. Well, I'm not actually. I'm looking forward to hearing about the results. You take a seat. Thank you to all the ladies that um, working hard, and a few guys chipped in too, I think, this morning. Those, there's, um, there's a lot of meringues out there. And uh, they were all made. And uh, Nori's daughter made most of them, and Maria made some, and there are a whole bunch of people packaging them all up. That was fantastic. And Lydia has done the artwork as you came in. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I think Sarah described it to me as, does Lydia call it doodling? I'd like to see what... Where, I saw you come in, Lydia, somewhere. I never got to say... Thank you, down there. That's fantastic. If that's doodling, I'd love to see it when you have a full-blown attempt. That's awesome. And um, thank you, Sarah, setting up the building and everything. It's great. Mother's Day is good, isn't it? I, I like Mother's Day. I like it. I like it that my boys love it. I loved watching Jan's reaction this morning as the boys... Or, as she read the cards the boys had prepared for her. It's nice. Something special, boys and mums. Well, my prayer is that this morning that every person's going to encounter Jesus. Not some of us. Not the lucky ones. Not just the ladies. But my prayer is that every person in this place today is going to encounter something of the love, something of the compassion, something of a tangible sense of God on your life and in your life, especially the ladies. But this morning I'm praying for every person, and I'm praying that every person would experience what I would call a PowerPoint moment. A PowerPoint moment. And I'll explain that a little bit shortly. But before I get going, there's a video that I forgot completely about. So you could play that if you'd like. That would be great. Life. Every life. Every heartbeat. Began with a mom. Who willingly accepted a divine role? A thankless job? A sticky, sleepless, soul-stretching career? For nine months? 90 months, 90 years. She taught us right from wrong, left from right, baking soda from baking powder. She slept little and worried much. She laughed, lathered, rinsed, 
and repeated and repeated. Who taught us to love God, to love others, to love ourselves? Who prayed with us and prayed for us? Who read to us and taught us what the words meant? It was mom. Who was the champion, the cheerleader, the chief inspiring officer? Who was the queen of bedtime, dinner time, holidays, holy days, early mornings, late nights, music lessons, life lessons, and everything we cling to with all our hearts? It was, it is, and forever will be, mom. nice, isn't it? Yeah. I laughed that little bit there, left. Your mother taught you left and right. Well, I think I might have skipped that lesson. <laughs> I, was driving, I was driving with Jan recently and she's going, go right up here. I said, I am going right. She's saying, right, right. I said, I'm going right. I just was going left all the time. <laughs> I think that's sad. For years I'd go to people, oh, you loser. Until someone told me that my L was backwards. Sorry, Mum, but I do want to hear this morning. <laughs> Missed a few vital lessons somewhere. Well, I would like you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 4. You need to, if you've got a Bible, open it. We're going to read 42 verses. Hallelujah, Hallelujah yeah. I shouldn't say anything, but it's probably the most scripture some of you have read all year. Just saying. Only apply it to yourself if it's true. Because I would never intentionally insult anybody because I like left and right. Here we go, you ready? Have you found it? Open your phones, open your apps, open your pages. John chapter 4, verse 1. Just put your hand up if you've got it, if you're ready. Great, here we go, here we go. I think it's on the screen as well, look at that. Jesus knew... Well, it's called the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judah and returned to Galilee. Isn't it interesting? Jesus was on to them straight away. The call of God on your life is not a competition. It's not about competing with someone else. Jesus picked up straight away that they were trying to put them, him and John, head to head. And he said, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. I'm going to move on. Jesus was very simple. He said, my will is to do the will of the Father, to do the work of the Father. It wasn't about competing with anyone. That is a great life lesson right there. You don't need to compete. You just need to obey. Anyway, it's not what I'm here to talk about today. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to, uh, to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, from, draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. 
For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Become, it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, said the woman, give me this water. Then I'll never thirst again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Isn't it interesting that so often Jesus can be speaking to us about something on this level, and we're taking it on a completely different level. The lady, she's just interested in not having to get the water. It's hard work. She probably had to walk a mile or two miles to the well, get the water, carry it back on her head. But Jesus is actually communicating here something far, far richer to her. She's just missed the point at this stage. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, don't you love that? There is the all-time lesson on how to change the subject if you're feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah? You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And she's off in a different direction. You must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that, G that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, 
I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants another harvests and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. Father, I pray and I ask that you would plant this word firmly in our hearts this morning, not just the bits and pieces we pull out, but this whole passage, Father, that it would be planted well and that it would reap a great harvest, great fruit in time to come. In Jesus' name, amen. I see this passage as what I would call a PowerPoint passage. You've got God and you've got a person. In this case, you've got God, you've got a person. Not only have you got a person, you've got a person who's willing to dialogue. And when you bring the three of those things together, it's kind of like a firework. Like, boom, something happens. And I call that a PowerPoint uh, moment. We all have those moments in our lives. In fact, I pray that you have one this morning. Just as you listen to the scripture, as your heart is open before God, that he would drop something in your spirit that you would have a willing conversation about and it would cause a PowerPoint moment. When I see that, I imagine something of a firework going off in the spirit. But a PowerPoint moment is a moment of change. It's a moment of truth, of discovering, rediscovery, revelation, of love, maybe of acceptance. I don't know what's happening in your world at the moment, but when the truth of God reaches in and touches you, and as you're willing to engage with him, expect something to take place. In the spirit. This is a fantastic scripture, and you, you need to understand something of the context of it to really get the most out of it. We're only going to touch the surface this morning. But the Jews and the Samaritans were not friends. In fact, they were enemies. They originally they came from the same stock, but now they were enemies. There had been battles, there had been wars, there had been all sorts of problems on the land. And um, in, the, in the trouble, sorry, in the countries, and it was a very troubled history. It was difficult for them. So the fact that Jesus stops and talks to a Samaritan woman is, in Samaria is very, very significant. The, and Jesus wouldn't or shouldn't have even stopped, according to cultures, to talk to a Samaritan man. But the fact that he stops and talks to a Samaritan woman is even one step further in the culture because men wouldn't speak to women, and let alone a rabbi of Jesus' status speaking to a woman. Let alone this woman. Because this woman's come to get her water 
at midday where it's hot in the Mediterranean there and people came and got their water in dawn or at dusk. But they didn't come and get it in the middle of the day. The fact that she came and got it in the middle of the day would tell us that she was living on the outskirts or the fringes of society, that she wasn't accepted. If you uh, go back to the, the scripture there and we, we read through it, you find that she was, uh, she'd been married five times and was with the sixth man in the culture of the day. That was totally unacceptable. And so she is living probably quite ashamed on the outskirts of society, the outskirts of town most likely, and she comes at a time where she can avoid conversation with everybody, yet she ends up in conversation with God. It's an amazing picture. My first thought this morning, I've got three thoughts for you. My first thought would be this. Jesus desires to meet you in the mundane. Jesus desires to meet you in the mundane. Jesus comes here into a very, very natural circumstance and he turns it into a supernatural encounter. He turns it into a, a PowerPoint moment. The lady was doing the equivalent of her housework. It was like she had the vacuum cleaner out, but she wasn't. She was getting water. She'd gone down there, she was getting the water, she's going to put the water on her head most likely, walk all the way home. It would have been a daily chore, it was just the most mundane of things. Can I ask you this morning what you go through life doing that is the most mundane of things, but could be an opportunity to encounter God? Because Jesus turns up at this mundane moment. Who said that? Cleaning the shower, yeah. Cleaning the shower. And Jesus turns up while you're cleaning the shower. And pal, your life has changed forever. Just a moment of time, a conversation. And sometimes I think that it's very, very easy for us to live life with a lack of expectancy that we've got to be in some special environment or some kind of special posture or whatever to encounter the love of God. But Jesus loves mundane moments. And I want to encourage you this morning, live, live expectant. Be expectant when you're cleaning the shower. Be expectant when you're cleaning the toilet. Be expectant when you're cleaning the car. You never know what's in the car. For some of you, there's so living stuff in your cars. But be expectant. You never know when God's going to want a conversation. This encounter changed the woman's life. In a moment, in a conversation, she went from shame to freedom. She went from unliked to included. She went from hopeless to hopeful, from wondering to knowing. She went from lost to found in a moment. Father, I pray for every person in this place that we would connect with you in the unexpected moments. Lord, that you'd take us by surprise. Just a word. sense of an invitation for a discussion when we least expect it. Holy Spirit, I ask that when least expected, you would turn up for a PowerPoint moment and bring change to lives in Jesus' name. My second thought is this. What your life looks like today 
and has looked like is no deterrent for Jesus. What your life looks like today and what your life has looked like is no deterrent for Jesus. Jesus knew everything about this woman. If he was playing the religious rabbi card, he would have avoided her at all costs. Yet he meets her. He talks with her. Not only does he talk with her, he takes what is potentially confrontational and he turns it into an incredible opportunity of hope. A incredible opportunity of acceptance and of love. A supernatural moment. I love the way he does that. I love the statement in verse 10 because I believe he makes the same statement to us today. Verse 10, Jesus says, if, only, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I wonder how many times we don't hear the voice of God because of our circumstances. I wonder how often we go around with kind of blinkers on saying, well, I've done this or I've done that or this is going on or I'm struggling with this. The kids have been a nightmare. I'm struggling in my marriage. Whatever it is, I don't know. Whatever this, and we just totally miss the voice of God where God wants to come into that moment of struggle, into that place of struggle and then turn it into a place of hope. How did he do that? She engaged with him in the conversation. She didn't shut him out. She tried to change the subject, but she didn't shut him out. She engaged with him and allowed him to bring hope into her world. Can I encourage you not to cut yourself off from God? No matter what's going on in your world. Because he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. There is nothing going on in your world that he's not seen before. There is nothing going on in your world that can separate you from the love of God. Only you can choose to put that separation there. And God wants to come into your world. He wants to come into your mess. He wants to come into your victories. He wants to come and be part of what's going on. It doesn't phase him what's going on. And I encourage you, don't cut yourself off. He wants to talk to you. My third thought is this. Jesus announces a new form of worship. He announces a new form of worship. See, a lifestyle of worship is about the heart. He says, I want you to worship in spirit and truth. Up to this point, well, they, they were arguing the, the Jews say, I've got to worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritan says, I've got to work um, on Mount Grism. Which is it? Does it matter? And they both had valid reasons. There were valid reasons that they, the Samaritans worshipped there. There are valid reasons that the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. But Jesus is saying, no, no, there's a new age. There's a new era. There's a new time. And actually, you've both got it wrong. In this way. It's not about physical parameters around your worship. It's not whether you worship. What I would really like in the passage here too, it's not, it doesn't say if you worship, it's when you worship. It's just assumed that you come to worship. That's part of life. That's what we do. That's what followers of Jesus do. They come and they worship together. That's just assumed. It's not questioned. It's about how we worship that is questioned. 
And so now it's, it's, no, no, you worship now with heart and spirit, which are one. In other words, he's saying, I want freely given devotion and love and desire. I want it to be sincere. You can worship anywhere, anytime, as long as it's sincere worship. That's what I'm looking for. I was um, in China recently, and it dawned on me, and this isn't a general, this isn't a general um, statement, but it dawned on me in the context that I was within, because I've never heard such passionate prayers as the Chinese. They're incredible. When they pray, it just blows your mind. But I was in a context, and I suddenly realized as they were praying, I thought, oh my goodness, this is, this is actually a style of prayer. These people that I'm with at this moment haven't got an incredible depth of relationship with God. They've, they've encountered God, but it's not an incredible depth of God. It's actually a way they've been taught to pray. Because the meeting went sort of like this, like this, like this, and now we're going to pray, and this quiet group of people suddenly erupted into prayer. But what dawned on me, and I caught it in my spirit, was this, this is how they've been taught to pray. This is what prayer looks like for them in this setting. Not a general statement, but in this setting. This is what prayer looks like for them. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, it doesn't need to look like anything. Don't go into your sudden church pose. What's a church pose look like? It looks like when I get to church and I've been yelling at the kids and everything else, I open the door and I suddenly have my smile on. Like, my world is perfect. Everything is right. I got a ride home, um, a couple of us, with a, uh, from a meeting in China with a, a lady there who's one of the leaders. And um, she's on the board. And this lady, she was immaculate. There's not a hair out of place. Like, absolutely immaculate. We get into her new BMW, and I thought, you know, life is obviously good for this lady. She's doing all right. We get down the road um, two miles, and she starts to open up about her world. Everything was a mess. Everything. Kids not going good, marriage is a mess, husband hasn't been working for five years, struggling to pay the mortgages, work is just off the charts stress-wise. But she has this persona that she puts on. You know, we could be accused of the same thing sometimes, couldn't we? We have our church persona. Yes, life's wonderful. It's all good. I haven't got a problem in the world. That's why I've got so much here. <laughs> it's all good. It's all easy. It's just you were just cruising through. But what, what this is actually saying is, is Jesus is saying, don't worry about the persona. You can worship me anywhere, anytime. What I'm looking for is sincere devotion. Sincere. I love the way that the Message Bible puts it. It says like this. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship, you worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you called, what you're called, no, will no matter. Let me start again. When what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. 
those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. I love that. He's looking for this authentic, genuine expression to come from you and to come from me. When we come together as a church, it looks a certain way, sure, because there's a lot of it, a lot of us. It, it, it will look and it will feel a certain way when we're together, but it doesn't change the fact that he's looking for a genuine response to come from our heart, from our spirit before him. And he's very upfront about that with this lady. It's my three points. Three thoughts, shall I say. Jesus desires to encounter you in the mundane. What your life looks like today or has looked like in the past is no deterrent for Jesus. A life of worship is about the heart and the spirit, not the physical parameters. You put all that together, what Jesus is looking for is sincere encounters with people. He wants to authentically, sincerely encounter you where you are in your life and for you to encounter him without pretense, without having to be anything, just by saying, well, here I am, God. This is it. And there you are, God, and I'm going to do everything I can to connect with you. I think if we can approach God that way, there's a PowerPoint moment waiting for you. There is a PowerPoint opportunity to connect with Jesus and for him to radically change our worlds. Because no matter, no matter where you are today, things can change. Father, again, I ask for every person in this place, Lord, that we would have the confidence before you to be open. That we'd have the confidence before you to simply be ourselves. That we would have the confidence, that you would implant the confidence in us to search for truth and to sincerely engage with you. Lord, that we wouldn't try and hide the good, the bad, or the ugly, but we would allow you and invite you into our worlds and allow you to start to bring shift and change and draw us toward yourself. And Lord, I ask this morning that every person in this place, every person hearing this, would have that divine sense that they are not too far away, that you're right there, that you're wanting to engage, and that you're wanting to turn a natural conversation into a PowerPoint moment which releases incredible hope and a future. In Jesus' name. Can I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment or keep your heads bowed? And I don't know where you're at with God this morning. I don't know how you've come into this place, but can I ask you a couple of questions? The first would be, have you met Christ? Have you met Jesus? And if you've met Him, do you know Him? Another question that comes out of the 
passage there is, are you consumed with natural water? Are you consumed with the natural worries, the natural chores, the natural busyness of life? Or have you stopped to consider living water and everything that Jesus was talking about? I look at the passage and the well was a historically significant place. It represents God's life, God's power, God's provision to the people. However, a natural well can only provide for the natural needs in Jesus. He was offering so much more. Have you experienced living water? Because that's what Jesus has got on offer. And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew the gift that I have, you would have asked. And he says exactly the same thing to us today. Ask. Your best life's lived in relationship with Jesus. The gift of Salvation, we say, is it's a pretty loaded word. But when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you ask Him to forgive you for your wrongdoings, He lifts an incredible weight off you. You have eternal life to look forward to. But He also lifts the weight of sin that just crushes people. He lifts the hopelessness off you. And you'll replace it with peace. You'll replace it with hope. You'll replace it with love. And that's the life that we're designed to walk. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift your hand. If you want to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to meet the Christ today, if you want to sample living water today. And it could be the first time you've ever done that, and I would encourage you to do that today. Best decision you'll ever make. Or it could be that you've done it in the past, and for whatever reason you find yourself a little distant for God and pushing back. And maybe today the Holy Spirit's just stirring you and saying, come on, we need to get connected again. We need to walk together again. You need to taste living water again. And if you come into either of those camps this morning, or just a moment, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand if you're saying, yes, Jesus, I choose you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to taste that water. You're not lifting your hand to me. You're lifting your hand to God. Someone will chat with you afterwards and we'll do anything we can to help you on the journey. You'll know if the Holy Spirit's stirring you at the moment to respond to Jesus because you've probably got your heart pumping away and pounding away. Maybe your hands are all sweaty. Often that's the way that God gets our attention. This morning, if you know you need to respond to Jesus, can you lift your hand now so I can see it? Just make sure I see your hand. 
Thanks, man. That's great. I've seen two people lift their hands so far. When you lift your hand, you're saying, I want to connect with the most incredible, loving, gracious, compassionate God beyond imagination. Just a couple more seconds. Make sure I see your hand, please. That's wonderful. I've seen two people lift their hands this morning. And you know, the Bible tells us that when one person gets right with God, the angels celebrate. Two people, heaven's having a party. Can we please give them a massive big hand? Just want to leave this thought with you. Jesus met the Samaritan woman while she was doing the mundane. But by the end of the passage, many had met Jesus, the Saviour of the world. And there's a simple, it's a simple passage, but if you just look at the way it flows, Jesus meets this lady and he's just Jesus sitting there. And as a conversation unfolds, suddenly he's Jesus, a Jew. And then he's Jesus, a Jew, sir or Lord. Then he's Jesus, a Jew, Lord, prophet. Then he's Jesus, Jew, Lord, prophet, Messiah. Jesus, Jew, Lord, prophet, Messiah, Christ. Jesus, Jew, Lord, prophet, Messiah, Christ, the I Am. Jesus, Jew, Lord, prophet, Messiah, Christ, the Rabbi. Then finally, it's Jesus, Jew, Lord, prophet, Messiah, Christ, I Am, the the great Rabbi, Saviour of the world. One conversation with one lady ended up with a village going, truly, this is the Saviour of the world. Wherever you are, whenever you're there this week, don't underestimate one conversation. Wow. That's a great thought to end on, isn't it? The power of a conversation. Awesome. Thank you. So, so cool. Well, a couple of things to bring to your attention before we close. We have the most amazing food spread. Isn't that awesome? And I want to give it up for the the host teams. They're up in their collar and ties and looking very flash. Where are those guys? Look at Mark and Alan and Tony and others. Thank you. You've done so well. We've got some very exciting news. This evening in our 6 p.m. gathering, there are five people who are going to be water baptized. Isn't that awesome? 